Four years ago, I predicted that Donald Trump could win. Nobody wanted to listen to me. Too many politicians from, from both sides of the aisle benefit from loopholes that they don't want to see closed. And your party is just as bad as the Republicans in that, isn't it? Barring unforeseen events, Joe Biden will take the White House next month. But with his party deeply divided, are the Democrats really celebrating? My guest this week from Washington is Democratic Congresswoman Debbie Dingell. Is Biden a man with a vision, or will he struggle simply to control his party and the urgent crises Donald Trump will leave behind? Debbie Dingell, welcome to Conflict Zone. You're an unusual party. Joe Biden wins the most powerful job in the world, and you all kick off a blame game about why you didn't do better. What's the matter with you? Well, I'm one of those people that says we need to stop pointing fingers, and we need to take a deep breath and try to understand why so many people voted for Donald Trump as well. I think that people are disappointed that we have the closest majority we've had in the House in decades, and that's going to make it a challenge at times. We don't know where the Senate is going to end up. But quite frankly, I'm of a mood. It's going to force us to work together. You don't want to point fingers, but a lot of your colleagues seem to, don't they? One of the first shots in this war was fired by your colleague in the House of Representatives, Abigail Spanberg. She was one of the moderates heaping blame on the left wing of the party for losing seats in the House of Representatives. We need, she said, to not ever use the word socialist or socialism again. We lost members we shouldn't have lost. If we're classifying Tuesday, that's election day, as a success, we'll get torn apart in 2022. That really kicked it off, didn't it? Well, it did in some ways. But, you know, I would encourage, I'm uh, one of the co-chairs of our policy and messaging committee for the House of Representatives. And I think we really have to take time to understand everybody's perspectives. Very early on, four years ago, I predicted that Donald Trump could win. Nobody wanted to listen to me. Uh, but I believed that Democrats were doing a very bad job of talking about trade and that Donald Trump recognized the fear that workers had in their heart about how our trade policies had shipped jobs overseas. And that is one of the reasons I believe Donald Trump won in 2016. Early on in this campaign, probably by April or May of this year, I said to the Biden campaign, we have to deal with uh, th this defund the police issue. It matters in communities. Police are the backbone of many of our communities and suburbs. We do have a real problem in this country that if you're a young black man, you are being treated differently by law enforcement, but not all law enforcement is bad and that we needed to be prepared to have uncomfortable conversations, but to deal with this. And I do believe it was an issue in many districts across the country. Um, the messaging was an issue, wasn't it? Um, because it didn't fit all areas. It wasn't a one-size-fit-all. One, one House member, Mickey Sherrill, seemed to be speaking for many others when she said she'd managed to overcome the national messaging that had been so detrimental to so many candidates. It's pretty bad, isn't it, when candidates find their own party's messaging is something that they have to overcome. And you, you paid for that in rural areas and also among blue-collar workers, didn't you? 
Well, you know, this is what I'm going to say. I have a very diverse district. I actually have one of the most diverse districts in the country. I'm very proud of the fact that I represent uh, UAW workers, steel workers, Teamsters are a significant part of uh, what we call the down rivers in my district. But I also represent one of the most liberal parts of this country uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, where the home of the University of Michigan is and many progressives. I say the same thing no matter where I am. And what I try to do is to get both sides to listen to each other. I think each, it's incumbent upon each member. You are running to represent your district to talk to your district, to talk about the issues that matter, and to just be very straightforward. I'm not, I, I think too many politicians talk gobbledygook. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons Donald Trump won four years ago too, because he- Right, because I he mean, talked gobbledygook was, or didn't? He talked in simple terms that people could understand. And, and, and you didn't. It's, it seems clear, Debbie Dingell, that one thing Joe Biden will not be is a powerful president. Not only does he have to worry about keeping the various wings of his party together, but if he fails to pick up two Senate seats in Georgia that have a runoff next month, most of the big ticket items that he wants to pass will die in the Senate or won't even make it onto Capitol Hill, will they? That's a narrow space to maneuver in. I'm going to very much disagree with you. I think Joe Biden is the president of the times, and I think he could be a very powerful president. He is someone that has the ability to bring people together. The last four years have seen this country torn apart. We've been divided with fear and hatred. Joe Biden's not afraid to reach across the aisle. He knows how to bring people together. He compromise isn't a dirty word. There are a lot of things that need to get done in this country, and I think Joe Biden's the man to get them done. But I want to ask about your notion of where things, the country, should be going after four years of Donald Trump. Um, Biden promised in a Thanksgiving speech, life is going to return to normal. But that doesn't sound like much of an ambition, does it? Um, I don't know whether you saw Robert Reich, the former Labour secretary, pointed out that normal would be a disaster. And that's because normal led to Trump. Normal is four decades of stagnant wages and widening inequality. Normal is 40 years of shredded safety nets, he said. And the most expensive, least adequate healthcare system in the world. Normal is worsening police brutality. Why on earth does your leadership want to go back to normal? You know, I think it depends upon what you're taking the word normal to mean. I mean, we, we've had nothing but drama, nothing but being torn apart for four years and the ability to get nothing done, uh, unless you're a billionaire. I think that when Joe Biden says normal, we're gonna have a national strategy plan for attacking COVID and nothing is going to be okay until we are doing something about COVID, COVID stopping its spread, helping those that have been impacted, helping our small businesses, uh, the restaurants, the people that have been unemployed, helping with more testing and tracing and getting the vaccine out there. That's the first step of normalcy. You know, we need, I'm one of the authors of Medicare for All. It's one of the things that means the most to me. It's most important public policy for me to pursue. I will be a pain in the bazooka, quite frankly, to Joe Biden on the subject. But I believe we will take steps. I believe uh, my father-in-law was the author of Social Security in this country. And uh, my husband was one of the chief, my father-in-law and my husband were chief architects of Medicare. Uh, I think that the time comes for those kinds of changes when you've come out of very difficult moments like we are 
of COVID. I think the time now is for us to talk about those issues. I think people understand what, when we talk about, I wanna bring jobs back here. I wanna make national security one of the critical components of any procurement strategy. Uh, when, but people didn't understand what a supply chain was until suddenly we're in the midst of COVID and we saw what was happening with PPE equipment and how dependent we were on other countries and that we didn't have quality goods to make available to our nurses and doctors. But Debbie Dingle, how do you deal? How do you deal with the fact that there's so little trust in government? Um, for years, public trust in the federal government has hovered at near record lows, hasn't it? Trust in Congress is very low. Um, just just 20 percent of U.S. adults say they trust the government. <laughs> to do the right thing always or even most of the time, just 20%. Arguably, America is angrier and more divided than ever, isn't it? That we're coming out of the Trump administration, no question. And by the way, it's not just government. The, I mean, you see it in your own countries. Uh, you see it throughout Europe. People are mad at institutions. They don't trust institutions. We have to rebuild the foundations and we have to rebuild that trust and it doesn't come overnight. But since but the divisions in your own party are staring people in the face again, how can you be in any way qualified to deal with those divisions in the country at large? Well, I, I, I don't stop working at it. And I think I've got a pretty good uh, record of finding that common ground between people. Uh, and the squad and uh, more moderate. The squad, the, you mean the, the left wing of the party? The Well, the squad is AOC and Rashida Tlaib and they're friends Alexandria of mine. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, yeah, yeah. Yes, but what we must do is have labor at the table. The progressives have to build a table that's large enough to have everybody at it. I'm very committed to doing that and quite frankly, already doing it. But half the country, Debbie Dingo, simply doesn't believe the same truths that you do. Trump supporters believe overwhelmingly that your party stole the election. It's not a fact, it's an article of faith, isn't it? Which makes you in uncharted waters now. Joe Biden talks about finding that sweet spot where Democrats and Republicans can negotiate to, to, together. And I'm wondering where exactly that sweet spot would be with such people. You have a staggering 220 out of 249 Republicans in Congress that have failed to give either a clear answer or any answer at all about who won the presidential election. How do you find a sweet spot with people like that? Well, first of all, I know many of those people. And I know I wish that they would have the courage to speak up a little more. Uh, but they do know, many of those people know that Donald Trump has lost the election. One of the things that I'm the angriest about uh, right now is this extended period uh, by Rudy Giuliani and the president uh, is not resulting in anybody showing that the election was rigged or not handled in a very ethical manner. But it is undermining people's confidence in the election outcome and in the integrity. We have to rebuild it. I didn't say this was going to be easy, but, when, but when you, I'm not going to be as negative as you are. I am when, not a I'm not naive, but you don't start to fix something by thinking it's not fixable. I believe it's fixable and I'm going to work to do that. When, when you talk about truth and the truth deficit in American politics, it's pretty difficult for Joe Biden to claim the moral high ground there, isn't it? The fact checking group PolitiFact compiled a scorecard of some of his statements this year and the results why 
although no means comparable to Donald Trump, were somewhat less than stellar, weren't they? Does that matter to you? Well, I, I don't know that they were somewhat less than stellar. Obviously, I care if somebody tells the truth and I want somebody to tell the truth. You want me to tell you what really bothers me is social media, which was founded in both years of my lifetime to help bring people together. And it's dividing us further because we don't have accountability. I think you're seeing countries across the world try to figure out how do we hold social media accountable so it does stop spreading some of these mistruths, these lies, and is actually factually accurate as it impacts how people think. Well, well when Joe Biden, according to PolitiFact, has 19 examples of false statements that he'd made during the campaign this year, and a number of other statements were labeled half true or mostly false. That's not a proud record, is it? If, if the only choice in America is between politicians who lie a little and those who lie a lot, it's not surprising that the public doesn't trust any of you, is it? I haven't seen this report. Uh, no, I, it's not surprising. Uh, but we have to live up. We have to tell people the truth. If you know me, if you know my record, I'm known for saying it as it is. It doesn't make you popular every single day, but I will tell people exactly what I think and I think and what I believe and what the truth is, whether they like it or not. And that's what we've got to do as elected officials to rebuild confidence in government. So you've got to get rid of the lies and the liars, haven't you? Well, I'm not quite prepared to call Joe Biden a liar the way you are. I need to go look at this report. But I do know Donald Trump has told a lot of lies, and a lot of them have been in the last month. You've just had America's most expensive election ever. I've seen one estimate, a whacking $14 billion, taking in both White House and congressional races. You support campaign finance report, and you co-sponsored last year's For the People Act that would have introduced some reforms to the system. It cleared the House of Representatives, but you must have known it would die on its way to the Senate. So was this anything more than just a symbolic gesture? Well, first of all, you don't get anything done if you don't start and if you don't try. Uh, and we are going to try again. And if you want to get something done, the fact of the matter is some things take more time than any of us want to see. We will and, be and more will, that bill and more very will. quickly. And more will, hmm? maybe. And more will. To do it more but political you have to way. educate people you've got to build the coalition so if you have a, a piece of legislation that you've passed and you're talking about it in states with republican senators but you create the demand by the people that elected them to do something you can eventually get something done but your aim is to get money out of american politics i think this is what you I, say. I hate it that, that, I hate that's, that's just not going to happen though is it because the fact is that too many politicians from from both sides of the aisle benefit from loopholes that they don't want to see closed well i and your party I, is just as bad as the republicans gonna, in that isn't it i want to tell you something i think that there's nothing worse than fundraising I hate it. I despise it. Everybody tells me I could do so much more. I've no desire to be the highest fundraiser. I do what I have to do to get reelected. Uh, I think there are a lot of people that feel like me. I wish we could have a public option so that everybody had the same amount of money and had to run on their record and who they are and what their positions are. You know, if I was as negative as you are every single day of the week, I'd get nothing done. 
But if you want to see change, you start by fighting for it. I work with many groups who are trying on the ground to bring about that change. And I think we will get it changed at some point. More than the literally dozens, scores, hundreds of occasions on which people have, have come into power saying we're going to reform campaign finance. We're going to reform the political action committees. Um, it's been said by so many of your politicians over the years, 20, 30, 40 years, I remember hearing about this. It never happens. Do you seriously think you can get the money? What was it, Tip O'Neill, the former speaker, who said money is the mother's milk of American politics? It was then. It still is, isn't it? You know, I, I could go through things in life that people said that would never change, that they are changing. I mean, it, it, you have to stay at it. You have to be willing to bring about change. Women weren't allowed to vote. It took hundreds of year, a hundred years of women voting to bring about that change. Now we've been allowed to vote for a hundred years. Uh, blacks weren't allowed to vote. It wasn't right. You know, change doesn't, I, it makes me angry. I'd like to change a lot of things overnight. But if I had your attitude, nothing's ever gonna change. Nothing would change. That's not the way I approach life. I approach like these things need to change and this is how we're going to go try to get it to happen. Let's look, if we may, Debbie Dingo, at some of Biden's early choices for senior jobs in his administration. There seems to be some concern that in foreign policy, at least, there may be too many old faces from the Obama years coming back, like John Kerry, for instance, who's going to be the administration's point man on climate change. His mantra, like Biden, just be normal, steady, unflashy, decent. But that didn't work so well last time round in foreign policy, did it? Well, it depends who you're talking to. I quite frankly think that our foreign policy has been a disaster. We've nobody. And when you go and you talk to other countries who haven't had normal diplomatic relationships in almost four years and steady, calm, dependable uh, foreign policy, diplomatic relations is something we need. We need to rebuild the respect, the trust and the confidence that other countries can have in us. And I think it's just fine. But it didn't work so well with the Obama-Biden administration, did it? Um, I didn't agree with them on some things, but it did work on a number of many other things. So I mean, they were know, caught napping when the Russians seized Crimea in 2014. The Kremlin then told the U.S. to get out of the way in the eastern Mediterranean. The kids of the Arab Spring were thrown under the bus when Obama backed Egypt's military leaders who regularly tortured their opponents. If all that's normal, then you really don't want to go back to that, do you? I don't want to go back to that. And I'm someone who's very active in Mideast issues and uh, will be paying a great deal of attention. But I certainly hope you don't think that things have been normal under Donald Trump as we've withdrawn from the World Health Organization, as we've drawn, withdrawn from the Paris Peace Accord. When you look at what our relationship is with China and Russia, a president that would meet uh, and not tell us what he discussed with uh, with Putin, uh, that's not normal. So sorry, I, I, I am ready for what you might call dull, I call steady and calm. One of, one of the big issues in foreign policy always is Israel. And despite being Jerusalem's closest ally, the Obama-Biden team last time around failed spectacularly to advance the peace process, stop the growth of settlements or end the occupation. Um, you wouldn't want to repeat any of that, would you? Um, 
Incidentally, your party's election platform conspicuously failed to mention that occupation, didn't it? Was that despite pressure from uh, progressive voices? What I want is a two-state solution. It was once very much on the table and working forward. Many things uh, have made that more pragmatic. We need to deal with the human rights violations in Palestine. There are a lot of issues that need to be uh, dealt with. Uh, I want peace in the Mideast. I'm going to be someone who is going to push this administration to deal with it uh, very significantly. One of the first things that we have a commitment for is to repeal the Muslim travel ban as just an aside as well. So, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of hope uh, for the way that some things may be and may be handled. And this is an area, especially in the Mideast, I will be paying a great deal of attention to. The Iranian situation is another uh, situation of great concern. Only the U.S. has the power to change policy in Israel. If you're serious about doing that and helping Palestinians to get a viable state, then you're going to have to use a lot more of that power than you've ever done in the past, aren't you? That's a fact of it. That is, is true. But is is Biden to tough enough to do that? Yes. Yes. You talked about the allies. The Biden team has indicated it would like to rebuild relations with America's allies after the turmoil of the Trump years, the rudeness, the unpredictability, the orders and threats. Do you think you can paper over the diplomatic damage done by Trump? No, we're not going to be able to paper over it. We're going to have to restore our integrity. We're going to have to restore people's confidence in us. We are going to have to act so that we rebuild and regain their trust. But the paper allies is not something you do the way that we've handled a number of diplomatic relationships over the four years. You acknowledge there were grave mistakes made and you tried to build back. The, but, the, but those the, allies have the, learned an uncomfortable lesson from the Trump years, haven't they? As Angela Merkel said in 2017, there were good reasons to continue fighting for the transatlantic relationship. But she said we can't count on it anymore. Um, the fact is, the Europeans can't be sure that Trump or someone like him won't be coming back in four years' time. And frankly, you can't be sure of that either, can you? Well, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that it doesn't happen. And the Congress, Republicans and Democrats, need to find a way to send a message to Europe that they can count on us. As things stand, Debbie Dingell, Trump is leaving you to pick up the pieces from a pandemic that he failed disastrously to control. Thousands more may die before the vaccine gets to work. One in three adults say their families are hungry. One in four small businesses can't stay open. A united party would struggle to get any kind of handle on this situation. A divided one like yours will struggle even more, won't it? Look, nobody thinks of me as this. I'm known as Debbie Downer. Okay, let's just, uh, because I say it as it is. I don't try to be down. COVID's a very serious problem, and we have failed to have a leader that's done lit, led or had any kind of national plan. But I think that people are tired and fatigued, and they're dying, and they're scared, and they're ready to have a leader lead. You're going to see Joe Biden come in, put together a national plan, put people in charge. It's not going to happen overnight. All of us around the world are going to have a very difficult winter that if we listen to the scientists, we listen to the experts, we know that masks save lives, then 
hopefully with a vaccine, which we need to make sure is available globally to everybody, uh, then this is going to get under control. And I, th- I, I don't think the party, quite, I don't know how masks became so uh, political or so debatable. They're certainly not in other countries. Uh, but I think Joe Biden will inspire people to wear their masks for the first 100 days. We'll see numbers go down. Vaccines will become available. We have to build people's confidence up in vaccines. And I'm hoping next Christmas, life's going to be more normal for many people. If you look at the difficulty now of agreeing a stimulus package with the uh, Republicans in, in Congress, you can't expect much help from them, can you, even in this process? I mean, Donald Trump hasn't exactly shown much empathy for the suffering and the bereavement that's taken place in such large numbers across America. I think with the right leader, you will, you will get enough votes to be able to do what we have to do. Uh, I think you've even seen Senator McConnell recognize that people in Kentucky are, you can't be home. You can't be in any of your states with the people that you represent and not understand how scared people are, how much help they need. But they're playing uh, politics, they aren't they? they? They will want you to fail so they can come back in four years time and say, hey, look what a lousy job the Democrats did. You know, I'm not a cynic like you are. I, I actually think that the people that want to, they get elected in both parties because they want to help the people they represent. So there may be a few that are, oh, we can't let them win. But I think that there are a lot of people that are seeing the human suffering in their districts and want to do something to help the people they represent. Debbie Dingle, let's hope you're right. Thanks very much for being on Conflict Zone. Thank you. Thank you.